Amen. Hey, Ruth chapter 1, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. And Ruth is a standalone story that very well could have made the book of Judges because it happened in the time of the Judges. Now, you guys remember the book of the Judges? It was Narnar. It was rated R. It was crazy. And we got through that book as fast as we could. 34 weeks it took us. And as we studied it, though, we understood this is what happens when you don't have a king in your life, Jesus, when you don't have leadership, when you don't have accountability, when you don't respect authority, you get all weird. And they were building false systems of worship and committing lewd acts of crimes and violence. Listen, all the while, though, God was redeeming, restoring, and reviving. You need to believe this to be true. I hope you know it in your heart of hearts. Even in a world gone mad, in a place that is full of rebellion and anarchy and chaos and corruption, and you can't trust anybody, God up in heaven, Jesus amongst us says, hey, I'm reviving right now. I'm restoring right now. I'm rebuilding right now in your life individually and in our lives collectively and in the world corporately. This is what the Lord is doing. And he needs representatives. Ambassadors is what the biblical word is that we would stand in the gap and say, yeah, I see your life's blown up. I see you're in the ditch. You're upside down. Hey, that reminds me of a story. Have you ever shared the Bible with somebody else? Oh, that reminds me of a story. One time Elijah, one time Daniel, one time David. And that's why we study these things. So we, when we find ourselves dealing with somebody else's stuff or maybe your own things, you would find courage and faith and strength. So as we study this out, we do so that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Guys, let's go ahead and jump into verse one. We took four verses two weeks ago, but I don't think you guys remember it, so we're just gonna hit it real quick. Here's what it says. It says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. He's telling us the story of a dark time. We know that these were dirty days, no leadership, all kinds of problems. And it says that there was a famine. We're not surprised that there was a famine. You know why? Because these were godless days. And God specifically said, listen, this is for you and for me. In the promised land, hey, Deuteronomy 11, hey, if you seek me, if you look for me with all your heart, you're going to find me. And I'm going to give rain. Last night it started raining. You remember when the rain came last night? I just texted a group of friends when I was considering, why is it raining? It's not supposed to be raining. I'm bringing the Jaguar out tomorrow. I don't need rain, you know. The top is still down. I don't even know how to put the top up. Anyways, I don't need rain. And I began to remember that portion of scripture where God says to the children of Israel, if you pray and you seek me, I'll bring rain. They needed rain desperately. And so do we, really. We do. And yet God says in Deuteronomy 11 and a number of other places, if you don't seek me, though, if you act the fool, if you run from me, if you rebel, if you do worldly, ungodly things, then I'm going to shut heaven up. There won't be any more rain coming down. You're not going to find provision in your life. You're going to be all dried up and toasted, man. It's not going to be good for you. And I say that to say this, when I find myself dried up and toasted and not where I'm supposed to be, there's a temptation. I usually don't fall for it, but for some people, there's a temptation to thumb our noses at the Lord and say, what gives, man? Why is it so dry in my life? And yet I've realized (laughs) I did this to myself. I took myself apart and away from the spout where the blessings come out. See, God doesn't change. He doesn't move. He's just always pouring blessings out right there. And if I draw near to him, ah, I just get blessed. But if I find myself moving away from the spout where the blessings come out, I find myself not enjoying the once benefits that were mine to enjoy. You guys know this to be true, don't you? There's a famine in the land. We studied all of this. 
And it says that there was a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem means the house of bread. Judah means the place of praise. These guys were supposed to be dwelling in the place of bread. That means where the word is being taught and fed on. And man, it's rich and praise goes up. By the way, did you know that the more time you spend in God's word, the more time you'll spend praising the God of the word? The less time you spend in God's word, the less time you'll spend praising the God of the word. It's just the way it is. You won't be praising God because you don't know him. The more you know him, the more you'll praise him, period. I'll tell you the truth. So if you're having a stuck time, you're not a worshiper, you're not a singer, you're not a servant, you're bitter, get your nose back in the book. Man, the place of praise happens because of the house of bread. Well, they were dwelling there and they went, this man, to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech. Everyone say, Elimelech. Uh, whatever. Okay, anyways, I'll say it. And the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and they remained there. Ah, oh, we learned all this two weeks ago. Elimelech, his name means God is king. He's set up for success. Naomi means pleasant. She's a beautiful woman of God. Malon and Chilion, their, their names mean song and comfort and consolation. These guys are finding themselves set up for success. But listen, there's a famine. There's a problem. There's an issue. I don't want to put the blame directly on them. It was probably the children of Israel that had got themselves in trouble. Maybe this was during one of the times one of the bad judges was ruling. Or maybe Eglon was in charge of the Ephrathite mites. I don't know what was happening. But things were difficult. And so Elimelech and Naomi and Malon and Chilion, they look at each other and they have a family meeting and they say, hey, let's leave Bethlehem, Judah, and let's move over to Eugene. I'm just kidding. They didn't say that. But something like that, you know. Let's move to Moab. Moab was no good down and dirty. So it's more like Springfield. Anyways, it was, you know, guys, it's, I'm kidding. But anyways, let's move. Let's get out of here, they said. We know that Moab was indeed not a godful. It was a godless place. Moab was the son of Lot's daughter. She named her son Moab and another son was named Ammon and they were perpetual enemies of the children of Israel. They brought all kinds of hardship and oppression to Israel. God actually called Moab his wash pot in Psalm 68. And so here, listen, they're having tough times. And so they said, well, we should probably just go to Moab. And we find ourselves in life when things are difficult, making decisions. Well, maybe I should take care of myself. Maybe I should just self-preserve and self-promote. Matter of fact, Moab was the birth product of self-preservation and self-promotion. Oh man, listen up Christians, lean in. Can I just tell you, the minute you begin to defend yourself or promote yourself or preserve yourself, you're getting into trouble. Can I just encourage you, when times are tough and when things are thin, man, where's the bread? Where's the praise? Well, maybe we should get crazy and do crazy, don't do crazy things. TTP, DTNRT, trust the process and do the next right thing. I promise, these guys did not do that. As a matter of fact, they bounced out to Moab. Look at verse three. Oh no. And then Elimelech, Naomi's husband died. And she was left with her two sons. Stop right there, eyes up here. It's interesting. The one thing he tried to avoid was the one thing that he encountered. They were starving to death in Bethlehem, Judah. What do we do? Well, let's take care of ourselves. He tried to preserve and promote and and protect his life. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you try and protect your life, if you try and preserve your life, you're going to what? Lose it. But if you lose your life, you're going to what? 
find it. Wow. Let's just, let's just be okay. Stop being a Christian for a second. Let me ask you a question. Does that make any sense at all? I'd like to say no. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does, Pastor. No, it doesn't, okay? It takes faith to do that. It takes faith to say, I feel like I need to flex and pr promote myself, and I feel like I need to finance this, and I need to, I need to stress about this. And I, Man, hey, Lord, I don't know if you see my situation. Obviously, you don't. So I'm going to go ahead and take over now. And you find yourself then losing your life. This is in macro and micro issues of our life. It's a principle. As soon as they got to Moab, it doesn't say how long. We know they're there for 10 years, which is not a little time. It's a long time. Maybe they just went through on a bread run. Let's just go for, let's just go. It ended up being 10 years and it killed Elimelech. He dies. Look at verse four. It says, now they took wives of the women of Moab, that is Malon and Chilion. And the name of one was Opar Winfrey and the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Now these two sons with their mom, Naomi, they're stuck. Mom, what do we do? Dad's not there to lead and guide and they continue to make bad decisions. Maybe we should marry some Moabite hotties. Maybe we should marry, marry some Moabite chicks. We're over here and this isn't lying up. They're not they're Jews. They don't worship our God. They're all twisted, but hey, we're all off guard anyways. And so they do that and they marry Orpah and Ruth. And it says they stayed there for 10 years. You guys know this, man, please, oh, please, oh, please. Memorize it, commit it. Sin will always take you longer than you were prepared to go, take you further, and cost you more every single time. Ten years they were there. Now they got themselves some chicks that they have to deal with. Look at verse 5. This is how I read the, read the Bible. It's very interesting to me. Anyways, verse 5. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, and so the women survived her two sons and her husband. This is what we call, in biblical terms, a dumpster fire. This is bad. It's just, oh my gosh, she went there. Poor Naomi, Elimelech, her hubby's dead. Chilon and Milion, they're both dead as well. Now she has two daughters-in-laws. They're a Moabitess in nature. She has to take care of them. No one's going to take care of her. It's all jacked up. And when we find ourselves going through tests, my encouragement to you is to pass the test and the test will pass. Lord, what are you doing? It's this start, the verse one, let me read it again. Now it came to pass, it didn't come to stay. And yet what happened is, is under their testing and difficulty, they started to make fleshly decisions. They started to compute things horizontally instead of vertically. We've all done this. We all do this. And we all ought not to do this. Wouldn't it have been better for them to stick and stay and make it pay in Bethlehem, Judah? Shouldn't they have just grounded out? We don't know. Had they have grounded out there, there would have been famine and difficulty. I don't know if Elimelech and Malon and Chilion would have died, though. I don't know if they would have married some Moabitess ladies. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have. And let me just give an encouragement to anybody who's still listening right now. When things get wild for you and difficult in your marriage, when things get difficult with friends that you love, but, but there's a tension, when things get difficult with the God that you serve and there's questions and when there's failure after failure and pressure after pressure, can I encourage you? Hey, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. Don't get crazy. Don't cut and run. Don't end it too soon. Oh, it's wild right now, Luke. It's bad news. It's difficult. I understand. It's going to be worse when you run to Moab. It's going to be worse when you decide to leave that relationship that you honored before God in holy matrimony. 
there's going to be consequences and pain. And you might have got yourself in the situation. They deserved, I believe, this famine. Oftentimes when I find myself with difficult burdens, it's because I took a wrong turn previously. But two wrongs don't make a right, amen? And I hope that applies to someone's life here this morning. Where, man, it would just be easier to go to Moab, wouldn't it? Just be easier to leave this person, leave this ministry, leave this. I don't want to deal with it. Careful, careful. Lean into the Lord. Receive wisdom and guidance from him. The Bible says in Proverbs, lean not on your own understanding, okay? In the Hebrew, what that literally means is don't ask Dr. Phil. But instead, in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and he'll direct your paths. What does the Lord say? And he may, he might, he often does have us go down a difficult path, a hard path. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Do the next right thing. Trust the process. Well, they didn't do that. Now they're all messed up. The dumpster's fully engulfed. The theological term, you can write that down. Look at verse six, brand new territory here. We've got a couple more minutes to finish two chapters. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, then there arose, but then she arose. Now poor Naomi, this pleasant gal. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from that place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and, and have dealt with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. Stop right there, eyes up here. I want to unpack a few things from verse six. In verse six, three things happen that are noteworthy. Tuck it away if you're a Bible student. First thing we see though, is that there is now bread in Bethlehem, Judah. There's revival and restoration happening down south. Actually, it's up north, about 50 miles away, somewhere else. All of a sudden, God now restores his promise and his provision to his people. Know this to be true. Have this tucked away in your backpack of faith when counseling others. God's not done yet. God has something in store to revive and revitalize. This is what the Lord does. This is his character. And when a forest burns out, there will be new growth. There will be a revival. This happens. Second thing I would point out is that she hears it. She's all the way in Moab. I don't know if she was on the Moab Facebook page or how she got this news, but she now hears of this revival and revitalization going on in Bethlehem, Judah. I would say that to say this. When God begins to do things in our lives, it should be heard. There should be other people that start talking about it. We see this, we know this, we have media, we can see all the things in Christendom and the books that are published, but let's just focus on our little community here in South Beach. There should be a buzz going on about your life and your testimony and the way that you've been changed because your story needs to be told and needs to be heard. I think this is important because sometimes we get saved and we don't really tell anybody about it or we don't go on display. And yet Jesus said, you're going to receive power, Acts 1.8, and be my, starts with W, rhymes with itness, witness, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all the way to South Beach. Your story matters. The way God's impacted you, the way he's saved you. And may your story be told by others. Wouldn't that be radical? 
Would that be so? Tonight we're going to share a few testimonies at South Beach Church about what God has been doing. I'll tell a quick story though. I got to tell it quickly. A couple months ago, I was in Ashland, my old hometown, and I was there on on Halloween day, and, and I was kind of by myself and kind of had a bike helmet on and sunglasses and a big old beard. I looked like ZZ Top on a bike. Anyways, you know, not a Harley, but a bike. And and I was down there and I was kind of lost and know what to do. And I saw this cop standing there. There was a big parade about to start. So I kind of walked up to this cop and I was like, what time's the parade start? And he said, 3.30. And we began to talk. And, and I said, well, at least there's good weather, you know. And, and he said, yeah, rain's coming later. And, and I said to this cop, I said, well, I'm from Newport. We invented rain, you know. And, uh, and this cop, he was still watching everyone. He's like, oh, Newport. Yeah. I like Newport. And he went on to tell a story. Here's the story he told me while I'm sitting there talking to this guy, watching the parade. He said, I, I like Newport. He said, you know, I used to know a pastor here in Ashland who moved to Newport. <laughs> and I, I, oh, I, oh, really, you know? And he said, yeah, I heard his church is doing real good over there in Newport. I said, wow, amazing. And he went on to say, and then he, went, he said this true story. I miss him because when he was here in Ashland, he had a real impact on the community here. And he had a real way of communicating the gospel of Jesus to these people. And as he was saying this, I began to tear up just a little bit, you know. I said, what if that person was me? And he looked and he said, well, then I would have to remember your name, you know. And it was one of those God moments where the Lord shared a story to me about what was happening. And here we have Naomi and her daughters-in-law. There's something going on in Bethlehem, Judah the faithfulness of the Lord. Your story matters. The reason we go through all these stats and what's happening, share and Facebook posts and somebody, my friend Nick over here asked me, where's one of those SBC stickers for my Jeep? I gotta get a sticker for my Jeep so people know I go to church, you know? And I want people to know I go to church. Make sure and obey the laws of the land too while you're driving. I don't have an SBC sticker on my car anyways. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. Guys, I don't want to be harsh with Naomi. But we see a revivalist happening in Bethlehem, Judah. We see Lord, that the Lord's doing that and there's a testimony. But then we see that she rises up to go back and her daughter-in-laws go with her. And on the way, she says, no, you guys can't come. She begins to, she's thinking in the flesh. You guys can't come. As a matter of fact, she'll argue with them. Orpah will eventually go. Ruth will attend with her. Oprah will go to her hometown in Moab. And she doesn't want them to go. I don't know why. I'm going to, interject a few thoughts though because I know the rest of the chapter which we may not get to today but in the rest of the chapter Naomi is a bitter woman she is hurt by life she's hurt by the consequences of her husband Elimelech and her sons Malon and Chilion and now the burden of responsibility to care for Orpah and Ruth but she's not innocent in nature she was there too and as she rises up now, we'll see later, she is bitter and broken, and yet she wants some bread. She's hungry. It makes sense. And so she makes her way back to get the bread, to get the Nowhere, though, in all of chapter one, do we see any measure, listen, of brokenness and repentance and humility. She's literally living in sin. That's where she's at, in Moab compromise upon compromise upon compromise upon death upon death upon death and she's backwards in all of her life and now she begins to dtnrt do the next right thing and she goes back but i believe she misses listen oh she misses a divine opportunity before she gets to the feast 
to spend a little bit of time at the feet of Jesus, to spend a little bit of time at the altar of brokenness and repentance, letting the Lord heal her. Did you know that she needs healing desperately? She needs healing. Whether or not it was directly her fault or she was guilty by association, she needs healing. And so too, don't run to the feast. I'm quick to do this. So are you when you get in trouble or when you get backwards or things are upside down? Oh, I just want to get back to the feast and the bread and the praise. And the Lord says, hey, spend a little bit of time at my feet. Not to grovel, not so you can whine, not so you can earn your way back. Listen, so that way a deeper work and a real change is experienced by you and by me. That we would not repeat the sins of our youth over and over and over again. That we wouldn't find ourselves wandering and getting rebellious. I don't know what she's doing. It appears a little bit like she's rushing the process in order to cover her butt, covering stuff up. It could be that she doesn't want to get back to Bethlehem, Judah with two Moabite daughters-in-law. Everyone's going to be like, whoa, where'd you get those girls out? Like, uh, uh, you know, maybe if I just go back alone, it'll be better, you know? And yeah, I went away and everyone died. You know, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on here. Well, listen to verse 10. They said to her, Surely we will return with you, this is Orpah and Ruth, to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, for, so, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have any hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for your, no, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Her narrative is twisted. She's bitter, she's broken, she's lost it all. And the way she's processing is, the Lord did this to me. The Lord has taken my husband and my sons and now cursed me. Notice what she says, though, in verse 12. If I should say I have hope of even having a husband tonight, making some kids, growing them up, and then you guys having them, it doesn't make any sense. Let me just boil it down this way. She's completely hopeless. Eyes up here. She's completely hopeless. She's actually thought it through. Well, I guess if I, if I got married now and got pregnant twice and raised kids, my daughters, well, at least think that will, eh, that doesn't work. Have you ever tried to solve your God-sized problems with your little pea brain mind? Man, talk about, uh, talk about the need for an excedrin and some nap time. You're like, oh, I can't figure it out. Let me just tell you right now, you won't be able to figure out your God-sized problems with your little pea brain mind. He may from time to time put you in a God-sized problem. Let me, I'll take that back. He's going to set your life up for one God-sized problem after another. It's the only way you're going to grow. It's the only way he's going to continue to rule and reign and be your king. It's what he does. And yet we're just like Naomi. We try and figure things. If I had any hope at all, you might be hopeless right now. And in hopeless situations, it's a prime place where the Lord does his greatest deeds. Guys, we know the rest of the book, chapters 2, 3, and 4. Hopefully you do too. This story was included because of God's redemptive value and his powerful purposes. Do you know this? I'm going to have the worship team come up right now. We're going to respond in a song. Do you know this at the end of 2023? That no matter what the enemy has stacked against you, no matter what the enemy has stolen from you, God is not done. And he can and will and is committed to restoring the things in your life that have 
fallen apart. You must know this right now because the temptation for you is to cut and run and to minimize and to push aside and to do silly things and to go to Moab. But what God wants you to do is to sing that last song we just sung. We'll sing a different song, but in your heart of hearts to say, he is worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. Has it been hard for you? Has it been difficult for you? Has there been loss and challenge and setback? Absolutely. And what the Lord says for me and he says for you, he says, hey, read my book. There are stories. I call it biblical faith. Some people say they have faith. I like to have faith that is biblical. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you know the God of the Bible, because you know the Bible that God gave us, you're allowed to believe. You're allowed to trust. Because faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. And it's impossible to please the Lord apart from faith. And what he asks from you right now, there are two camps here. We'll just divide it into two camps. There are some people in the camp of disappointment, depression. It's too deep. It's too crazy. Yeah. If I had any hope at all, even if this happened and that happened and this happened, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Cool. That's perfect. That's prime. And that's, that's exactly what the Lord does. There's another group of people, though. Listen, you're not devastated and down and out and struggling, but you're, you're not really aware of the Lord. You've got it figured out. There are things in your life that you just, you do it yourself. You, you're you're kind of distanced from the Lord through your strengths, through your successes. And the Lord says, hey, I need you in 2024 to be a greater woman of faith. I'll do it. I need you to be a greater man of faith in 2024. I will do it. I'll take your heart right where it's at. Whether, whatever camp you're in, or maybe you have, uh, maybe you have property in both camps. The Lord says, I want to take your heart and I want you to focus on me. Would you focus on me? And when you focus on me, your hope comes alive. Your life is changed. God had a plan for Naomi. God had a plan for Ruth. God had a plan for these two gals. He would have had the plan for Orpah. She hung out, but she bounced. Naomi was trying to cover it up. Orpah's trying to run from it. Ruth's going to step right into it. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with me right now. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to make this as simple as possible. Here at the end of our service. The beginning of the day for you. You're about to go. I got more work to do. You're going to leave here in about three or four minutes. We're going to pull your name tonight. You're going to win the JAG. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. What we're doing with our lives is of the utmost of importance. And if the gospel of Jesus Christ can change everything, then the gospel of Jesus Christ can change anything. And you need to know this. And what needs to be defined in your life the most of all is an appreciation for, in a deep faith, listen, in the gospel of Jesus Christ that he who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God, that you were offensive to him, and yet he was kind to you and extended his love and forgiveness to you. 
and he now forgives you and accepts you as his son or his daughter and he's remade you and he's taking you to heaven when you die. And the destination is not this life. This is just the journey. The destination is a life with him and your life means everything here on earth that it might show his glory, show his power and show others the way to Jesus. And I just wanna ask you, would you partner with Jesus in 2024 and have more faith? more faith, more purpose. Matter of fact, right now, if you need that right now, you just need a, a re-boost, a revival, a start. Would you just come forward right now at the last service of the day? Just come forward, last service of the year. Just say, I need prayer. I'm gonna come down and just pray for people. We're gonna sing this song and ask God to pray for us and revive us as we move into 2024. I do not wanna be the same as I was in 2023. And I believe God has set things in motion for Pastor Luke Frechette and for our church that we would be grown, changed, and challenged that the Lord would pour more of himself in to us that he might show himself more through us. Lord, would you bless us as we sing this song? May you minister to us as we minister to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing it together. Come to the altar if you need prayer.